0: When it comes to our understanding of life, okay, our understanding, our, our, our memory of, of things, how many of you know that our memory, our thinking drifts? Like things that you used to know very well five years ago, you don't know as well today. I mean, conversations that we had two weeks ago, we forget some of the details. You know, like, was it left or right? I'm not sure. You know, but we knew we were so confident in one day and just a few days later, we we forget about it. How about we romanticize memories? Like some of you, you remember high school, As just incredible, like you were the high school football, you know, quarterback, and uh, like you remember the championship game, and you remember that it was like an eighty-yard bomb that you threw. It was a touchdown. They pushed you up on their shoulders, and it was a great victory. And everyone else remembers it as a thirty-yard (laughs) incompletion. And you lost, and uh, right. But we romanticize things. Our memory, our thinking drifts. And I mean, I know I have horrible memory. I actually talk about it quite often. Um, I, if it wasn't for my wife, I would forget most things, you know. But she reminds me, and we make it work. But we, our understanding drifts. And look, even in our beliefs, our understanding, our memory, all these things, they drift. And for a lot of people they grew up in church and so they have this uh this certain understanding whenever they're young about who Jesus was and the stories and the biblical stories, all those good things. If you grew up in Sunday school like I did, uh you remember the flannel graphs where like everything's a stick figure and it got stuck to the wall and you know, I still remember those things and they they were incredible. But as you get older, those flannel graphs they don't stand up all the time to life. And, and so your your faith begins to drift, and then you you get smarter, and so you begin to drift away from those things and all of a sudden, what once held power doesn 't anymore, and you know we grow in our understanding, and then we start seeing different ways to kind of reconcile life and pain, and uh, we try to make sense of it all and today we 're going to look at Jesus and how at the end of the day, who he is and what he has done is one of the only things that really makes sense through everything that we see. And we're going to get the help of Paul here. Uh, Paul was the apostle, Paul. And he wrote most of the New Testament. And he writes the book of Romans that we've been in. But he also wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, most of the things that Paul wrote were actually letters. It was letters to churches. And so uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to get in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to learn about the resurrection. And so he's going to help kind of bring us back to center and remind us of some things. Verse 1. He says, let me not remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. One thing you're gonna learn about Paul is that he's not afraid of asking the hard questions and having the hard conversations. So many, many times he just he'll he'll state something and then he'll just question somebody's belief in that moment. Just right, man, you guys, if you've been here in the book of Romans, you know he's asked a lot of hard questions that makes you sort of tremble a little bit. And here he's like, Well, unless you believe something that's completely fake in the first place. And for those of you that maybe are struggling, you're like, well, I have been struggling with that actually. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 3 I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Now, whenever he says scriptures, he's talking uh, to many people that were raised up in a belief system. Many of them were Jews. And so they had the holy scriptures that for us, it's really our Old Testament. They had these scriptures that they memorized, they learned, they knew them up and down all around. And, And what he's doing, he's actually using the scriptures, the very words that they held up with so much value, he uses them to actually show them that Jesus was the Messiah and that his death and his resurrection was true and it mattered. And so many times you'll see that all throughout Scripture, just as the Scripture said. And he'll, he'll quote uh, prophets that lived hundreds of years ago. And he's like, Jesus is the one that's fulfilling these prophecies. You've been waiting, and here it is. And so the first question that I want to answer today is, why did Jesus come? Like, what was the big deal? Why did he, why did he actually have to come? And, and this is the good news. Now, you might hear the gospel. It's the same thing. It's the good news of Jesus. And Jesus had to come because things were all messed up. And to really understand that, you have to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. And pretty much all of us probably have heard Adam and Eve at some point. We know the story. God created the heavens and the earth. He created it all. That's what we believe, even though we can't always comprehend it. He created all things. And he created man and woman. And they're in the garden. And of course, there's the fruit. And Eve partakes of the fruit. That's why we blame. Never mind. Not going to go there today. Um, but... Eve partook of the fruit, and then she gave it to Adam, and he was dumb enough to do the same thing, so it's really his fault, and um, right, I'm just going to say she was first, but uh, so, so what happens is at that moment, there was disobedience. God had given them a command, and they broke the command, and at that moment, sin entered into the scene, and sin broke everything sin God created everything and he said it was good which really meant it was in order like this is gonna work this will work well he created it it was good and then sin entered the equation and broke it messed it up and things just didn't operate the same and really the story is really incredible at this moment Adam and Eve they, they take some fig leaves they put them together they try to clothe themselves because for the first time they see that they are naked and so they try to clothe themselves and they try to cover the shame that they're feeling. And when God shows up, he, he calls out to them. And of course, they say some things and he's like, I didn't teach you that. I didn't, I didn't, I've never, like, how do you know that? Did you eat of the fruit? Did you do the one thing that I told you not to do? And, uh, and they had, and this is what happened. God takes an animal and he takes the skin from that animal It's the first time we see a mention of sacrifice. He takes the animal, he clothes their nakedness, clothes their unrighteousness. And you're like, why does that matter? Well, years later, Jesus came on the scene and Jesus lived a perfect life. And what Jesus did is he died on a cross and he shed his blood and his blood was the payment for sin. Because every time that sin is present, there has to be some sort of payment to cover that sin. The payment for sin for us is death. And Jesus had to die. But he couldn't just be a regular man that died. He had to be a perfect man, and he had to be God. And so what's crazy is that God actually subjected himself to his own creation, lived perfectly, and died to pay the price for our sin. That's the good news. And and the good news goes on because Jesus was resurrected. And for many people, the story of Easter, it's like the resurrection isn't the main thing. They focus on the cross. And many people's belief system is all about the cross. And don't get me wrong. The cross is of utmost importance. But without the resurrection, it's sort of left undone. The resurrection was the exclamation point. It It was a big deal. So Jesus came. He lived perfect and he died to clothe our unrighteousness. Hebrews 2.14 puts it like this. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human could, be, could uh, he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death, who had the power of death. So this is where, as believers, we get excited because we know that death the power of death is not held by the devil any longer. And so even death does not intimidate. There's not fear in death because we know who has overcome death. His name is Jesus. See, that, that, that's, that's what we're talking about today. And, and this is what I hope to do. Elevate your thinking past just what you see in this earth and find something a little bit more powerful, honestly. But Jesus made some claims he made some claims whenever he was on this earth, and he made some claims like John 11, 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live again. They'll live again. So Jesus throws us out there, <laughs> and then he died. And can you imagine, first off, you got you to think about the disciples, the people who had followed him for years, they kind of had some different thinking about who Jesus was and how this was all going to play out. I mean, they were picturing palaces and kingdoms. They were hoping that they were going to be on the right and left of Jesus on his pearl throne. I mean, I don't know. Like they had these different, these different thought processes and for them, the cross was the end of a lot of that. It was the end of it. Some of them went back to their old jobs. But some of them remembered, Jesus said, he said he was going to be raised again. And a lot of people were kind of like, prove it. A lot of people mocked him. 1 Corinthians 15, we go on. Paul says this. If Christ had not been raised, our preaching, what we're doing right here, is useless, and so is your faith. Again, I love the way that Paul is sort of just, he's kind of a little bit cocky. Come on, like, just a little bit. He's sort of like, hey, guys, like, I know that you're dealing with some doubt. Let me just take it a step further. If he wasn't raised, then everything that we got going on is pointless, it's pointless. The resurrection is a huge deal. There's a lot of people who want to say that it didn't happen. Whenever it's not true, they want to say there's no evidence. That's not true. But one of the things that we know that took place is that Jesus revealed himself. He showed up on the scene physically again after his death. There was, you know, there was hundreds of people that that, that saw him. Eyewitness accounts that saw Jesus. Many of them actually, they were martyred. They were killed because they maintained belief that they saw Jesus in the flesh after his death. I don't know about you, but if I didn't see someone come back from the dead and somebody had a knife to my throat or my family's throat and I knew it wasn't true, I'm bailing on it, y'all. You know what I'm talking about? You would too, let's be honest. Some of you, even though you saw it, you might still bail. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's pretty intense moments there. But they gave their life. They were like, no, this happened. This is true. But how does Jesus' resurrection affect our now and our eternity? I like what Josh McDowell says. He said, few people seem to realize that the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone to a worldview that provides the perspective to all of life. The resurrection does not just affect our Easter morning it doesn't just affect today. This right here affects every day that you live. It affects every trial that you walk through. It affects everything about the way that you see life. And one of the main ways that God, Jesus' resurrection does this, changes our pers- perspective of life, is that his resurrection gives us Hope. Hope. Hope is a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's, 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 it's a cornerstone of our, our life. Every day that you live, honestly, all of you have hope in something right now, whether you know it or not. You, you, you put, sometimes we put hope in the category of wishful thinking, all right, and that's what we, we say is hope. And the Bible really brings that up a notch, and it's really a, not just a wishful think, thinking, but an expectation for something to happen in the future. It's a little bit more weighty. And also in the book of Romans, we've been talking about how suffering produces hope, which doesn't really make sense to us. That equation, you know, something really bad equating to something really good taking place doesn't doesn't reconcile in our mind. But in Romans chapter 5, we see uh, Paul says this, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces uh, perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So suffering, the equation ends up in hope. And I believe that Jesus' resurrection, his death and resurrection, is really a perfect example of suffering producing hope. Christ's suffering has produced hope for us. But one of the greatest problems in the world is hopelessness. Despair and loneliness, depression, helplessness, a lot of it comes from hopelessness. When you ask somebody, man, what are you dreaming for? What are you hoping in? Like, what are you looking forward to? For some people, it's nothing. They have, there's nothing that they're looking forward to. And those people, they tend to be the, the type of people that a lot of people don't want to hang out with very much. <laughs> you know, Like pessimists, negative Nancy. You know what I'm talking about? For those of you who are realists like me, you, right? You're like, I'm just being a realistic person. You know? No, you're negative, Nancy, to be honest. you know, I'm Pessimist. But a lot of it is, there's just, you don't have a good outlook for the future. There's not a lot of hope. And a lot of times we try to find hope in a variety of things, a variety of things, and many times it's temporary things. It's temporary things. We want to put our hope in something that we can touch and feel and calculate. Sometimes it's as simple as a vacation. You know what I'm talking about? Like a concert that's coming up. It's something to look forward to that you wake up and you're like, what's today? Oh, I have that thing that's going on that I'm excited about. And it's not that all of those things are bad. I think a lot of times we, we maybe, whenever we talk about temporary things and putting our hope or some joy in temporary things, man, we really beat it down. It's like, but the thing is, is, I mean, man, we should enjoy life. We should live forward to life. We should have some, some things that we're looking forward to. But what I'm trying to say is that all of those things at the end of the day are going to end or disappoint. It's the nature of it. We get married and our hopes in our spouse that they're going to be exactly what we need them to be. And all of those people are married people, because um, <laughs> it 's impossible, because you get in the car and you 're on the way like you know to the honeymoon, and you 're already who are you? <laughs> you know? Your breath stinks in the morning, you know it's like i didn't know that you were perfect, you know. <laughs> The first year of marriage does away with a lot of that, but a reality sets in and, and then real life begins. But, but honestly, let's be, let's be real. A lot of people have done that. They put their hope in a spouse that they are going to meet all of their needs, that all of the problems that they have, like that person's going to fix them. And of course, that's not true. We do the same thing with jobs. Man, if I could just get that, that, that new job over here or I'm going to move over here, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start over, (laughs) and none of my problems are going to follow me because I'm not the problem, right? It's always my boss or somebody else. That's the way that we think, because our hope isn't just something, but a lot of times those things disappoint. They disappoint. Why is hope so important? Do you ever think about that? Like, What is it about us as human beings that wants something to look forward to? what is it deep down inside of us? In a, um, a recent study, some Chinese psychologists, actually, it's, it's been a long study. It's been over a few years. They found out that hope protects the brain from anxiety. Hope, just the feeling, the, the emotion, the thought process of having hope protects your brain from anxiety. It's just one of the things. But I, th- I find it funny because we've as believers, <laughs> we've known this for a long time. Proverbs, Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. We know that hope is an important thing. And I love that many times science is just kind of finding out things that we already believe, right? Because God sort of created everything and sort of knows what's going on. And, uh, but we've known this. But there, what is it about hope? But, you know, we need hope not only in good times, but honestly, we need hope more importantly in bad times, in hard times. I honestly don't need a lot of encouragement when things are good. I don't need that random text or that random phone call from somebody that's like, hey, man, just really want to encourage you. Thanks. Doing well. You know? But it's whenever I don't have oxygen in my lungs and I don't feel like I just... Like, I can't think straight, and I'm depressed or whatever. Man, that's whenever a word of encouragement comes in and, 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 it, and it brings life. That's whenever we need hope. But how do we get that kind of hope? How do we get hope that endures? Ravi Zacharias says this, outside of the cross of Jesus Christ, there's no hope in this world. The cross, that cross and resurrection at the core of the gospel is the only hope for humanity. Wherever you go, ask God for wisdom on how to get that gospel in, even in the toughest situations of life. See, guys, when we talk about the good news of Jesus, when we talk about what he's accomplished for us. Honestly, our main focus whenever we speak about that has, has less to do with what happens while our heart is still beating on this earth. It has a lot less to do with that and a whole lot more to do with what happens after physical death. Because that's where this conversation really begins. It's really where it begins. Because if our hope is just founded on what's going on in this life, it's actually pretty sad. It's pretty sad. This is what First Corinthians says again, verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If you believe in Jesus and you have faith in him just for this life, even that is a letdown. It's a letdown. And we don't really think about it this way all the time because a lot of us have been sold this gospel, this good news. That means, man, whenever we believe in Jesus, everything just always works out in this life the way that we see and the way that we want and we desire. But if you've been saved for any amount of time, you know that that's not completely true you know that that equation doesn't always work out that way because that's not really the promise. The promise is not centered around what happens for the 80, 90, whatever years that we have on this earth. It's based on something much more important. We don't just need hope, we need eternal hope. And eternal hope is found in someone, not something. Colossians 1 says this, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth, the truth of the good news, the truth of the good news. This is what I want to bring you today is that I want to bring you hope, but I don't want to bring you hope based on something that you can buy, or earn, I want to offer you hope based on something that's much greater than that. Because it's much more important. And our hope is found in Jesus Christ, in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Because that message right there is the truth. That's the truth that the church was given at this time. And it's the truth that we need today that will sustain us through every season Many of you, I believe, you've you've come here today, and we're excited that you're here. I think it's incredible. But you actually have a lot of questions. You have a lot of questions. You have a lot of doubt. You're here today, and you're reading the words of the the songs and reading these scriptures. And like every time you read one verse, you have this big question, or you have this, this book that you read that brought the other angle. And you always feel thrown off. And so really what it is is you're destabilized all the time. You live a life of destabilized faith. And this is really where there's a a misconception is that we can not have faith in in something. that we could go through life not actually having faith in something. But the reality is is that we all have faith in something or someone. It's, It's the nature of living. It's just where it's at. It's just where is your faith? What is the object of your faith? Your belief system might be centered around you and your thoughts and what you understand and what you can make sense of. And that's been around since the beginning of time. It's just basic humanism, right? It might be based around some sort of, uh, you know, some, some ideal, some, some logical way of thinking of, of morality, which also has been around for a very long time. And all of those things, Sometimes they do make sense. But I don't think all of those things really make sense and they can't stand through the filter of death. They can't really, that's the one thing. When we talk about Jesus overcoming death, that is the essence, man. There's been no other God that has withstood the the test of death. And overcame and came back to life. No other God. But our God has. And this is really the song that we sang about earlier, Living Hope. Jesus, our living hope. First Peter 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of all Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There would be no hope if there wasn't a resurrection. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, This inheritance is kept in in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This word faith really means divine persuasion. Whenever we trust in God with all that we are, we are putting our faith in him. And this, this other, this other thing of repentance, of trust, Turning from our way of thinking really has this, uh, it really is about turning from your own way, which our own way is sin. Ever since Adam and Eve, come on, sin entered the equation. And ever since then, we've all, we've all inherited this sin nature, this, this understanding of what it means to do our own thing. But trusting in God results in salvation. That's the good news. Salvation from eternal separation from God. Many of you have probably heard different terms for this saved, born again, a believer, a follower of Jesus. And to be honest with you, we have a, in America, we have this really nationalistic view of what Christianity is. It's sort of like I was born into a Christian home, so therefore I'm Christian, sort of like I'm a Republican or Democrat. It's just the way it is, right? And, 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 and then as you go forward in life, all of a sudden, again, you, you kind of hit the wall in some things and, and maybe you shift your belief system. But this isn't that. It doesn't matter what kind of home you were born into. It matters where your individual faith is, it matters where your faith is at. And this hope is accessed by faith in Jesus, by faith in what we're talking about today. It's not accessed by your effort. Can I, can I miss, kind of undo some thinking and some of, you, some of you really believe that if you're good enough, if you act good enough, if you do all the commands, if you do it, you are attaining some level of right standing before God, some sort of purity before him. And at that point, wherever that threshold is, he'll look down upon you and smile. And whenever you die, he'll say, you were good enough. Come on into heaven. Like that's really, that's your construct. That's what you think. The sad thing about that is that that's not in the Bible. It's actually not what Jesus came to do. He he sort of flipped that whole script. God was like, you're never going to be able to be good enough. It's never going to work. You're never going to attain that threshold. All have fallen short. And I actually need to send someone to do what you can't do. And to die for you because their blood, Jesus' blood, is the only blood that will be pure enough to overcome the the, the payment that is is due. And for you, you've got to realize today that forgiveness is offered to you because of what Jesus did, not because of what you can do. And eternal life is not a reward for good people. It's God's gift to forgiven people. You, you got to realize that today because what will happen is that you'll go through your whole life trying to be really good and, 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 and you'll, you'll die and you'll be standing before God and you'll be holding up all of your effort. You'll be holding up all of your successes and failures and, and say, hey, God, see, it, it weighed out. I did more good than bad. And, he, and he's, he's going to say, you missed the whole point. You, you missed it. Yeah, but the other way seemed too easy. (laughs) Like it seemed too easy that, that Jesus paid it all, that he did it all, and all I had to do was really put my faith in him and allow him to do a work in me. But that's the essence of what we're talking about. That is the good news. And some people have complicated it way too much. Complicated it way too much. So this morning... I want to offer you an opportunity to respond to this message. It's very simple. The gospel is simple. It's not complicated. It is good news. And for some of you, I want to remind you about the grace of God. The grace of God. Grace is offered freely because if you have to earn it, in that moment, it is no longer grace. And some of you, you need to hear that today. Like, you need to come to God without holding up anything, just bearing your heart to him and saying, God, I bring to you all the good, the bad, the ugly. And Father, I pray that today you would give me your righteousness because he's the only one that can do it. Amen? Come on, let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you. God, I pray that right now that you would open up our hearts to respond to you today. God, you were so good, faithful, full of grace and mercy, full of forgiveness. God, you sent Jesus to this this earth, your son, to die for us and to be raised again. And God, you know every person in this place right now that's struggling to really believe in this. And God, I'm praying right now that you would reveal yourself. That you would show truth to each person. The Bible says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And in this moment, I wanna give you that opportunity to do that, to say, Jesus is Lord. I lay down everything before him. I know that this is truth. I might not know all of the ins and outs, but I know that this is truth. And I wanna respond today. I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you find yourself in that place right now, You don't have to do anything other than pray to your God. You can repeat after me. You can pray your own prayer. Whatever it is, the point is, is that you are bearing your heart. You're you're giving your heart to God. Let's pray together. Say, God, here I am before you right now. I'm humble. I'm broken. God, there's so many things in my life that I've tried to reconcile and make sense. There's things that I've even tried to attain in order to to be good enough to come before you like this. And God, today for the first time, I realized that all of that was futile. God, I humble myself before you. God, I bring to you my unrighteousness, my sin in exchange for your forgiveness, your righteousness, your grace, your mercy. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, being raised back to life for me, to give me a hope for the future, one that's, that's far above this life. And today, God, I say yes to following you. Change me now from the inside out. God, protect my faith as I, as I step out on this journey with you. In Jesus' name. I want to just take a moment right now and pray for all of us. Come on, I believe a lot of us came in today. Maybe you're, maybe you're right with God. Maybe you're, you know, you're saved, but yet you're struggling. And some of the things that we said today really hit home for you. Just want to pray for all of us right now. God, we, we thank you for your word. That consistently challenges us, consistently brings us back to center. And today, God, I am praying for all of us that we would not find hope in temporary things, God. That we would not base our life on things that pass away, but Father, that we would lift our eyes up higher than that, God, and that we would place all of our hope, all of our faith in You. But God, You're the only thing that makes sense. You're the only. It's the only thing that that stands the test of time is your truth and so God we surrender our hearts before you again and God we pray that this would not just be a hope that we have right now in this moment but it would be something that we would carry with us tomorrow and the next day God we're your people God we know that we've been called out of darkness into light for a reason So God, I pray for each person in this place, those that made uh, a decision to follow you today, God, I pray that you would protect their faith as they walk out of this place, as they encounter their friends and their family and, and different trains of thought, God, that you would protect their faith. Carry them through. In Jesus' name we pray. Every person said amen. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, We have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, you can check out all our past sermons and all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and even to to give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching. We hope to see you soon.